Welcome to New Money. I'm Brian Hirsch. This evening, we're focusing once again on the retirement planning. Most working South Africans are provided by most employers with retirement benefits as part of a competitive remuneration program. In recent time, employers have largely removed themselves from active participation through participation in umbrella funds. And this takes away the responsibility from the employers in the government arrangements of these funds. Members do not really understand the difference between freestanding and umbrella funds, and as long as the funds are well administered and invested for the benefit of members, they do not mind. The problem arises when those saving for retirement believe that contributing to a company's pension fund is sufficient. The fact that you contribute to a retirement fund but do no other retirement planning and saving is unlikely to find you in a position where you will have sufficient at retirement. Planning retirement is a regular exercise of how much you're investing through all these different methods and ultimately how much that lump sum will provide you with a livable after-tax income. Furthermore, the income you draw on day one of the retirement has got to be at a lower level to allow for the fund to grow to take into account inflation. And joining me this evening is Jason Sharp. He's the CEO of Paramount Life. Jason, good to have you and welcome to the program. Evening, Brian. Yeah, Jason, I said to the point, important of how much you draw, particularly from a living annuity. Now, we've had a terrible four months to, uh, in the markets this year. All portfolios are down, retirement funds are down. So just paint us for the picture how important it is when you start drawing. Yeah, so uh, I want to use the statistic I normally use when I describe this, and it's often recognized as the most difficult thing to understand in retirement. If you've got 100 rand and you draw down 20 rand or 20%, you don't need to earn 20% to get back to 100. You need to earn 25% because now you're earning a return on 80 rand, not on 100 rand anymore. And that's true of retirement. Retirement, the seventh wonder of the world, compound interest, works in a different direction. Why? You're not earning interest on interest, you're earning interest on potentially a decreasing balance. So when markets don't perform and your investment drops, you still need to draw income. There's no way of slowing down the income while markets are, are performing badly. Specifically because you can only change your drawdown rate once a year. You can't each month as markets perform differently, change how much you draw down in a living annuity. So there's a good argument for fixed annuities versus living annuities, and I know you have a whole program at Paramount that actually proves that that is often the way to go. But we have many, many South Africans who've retired who have got living annuities and are actually facing the situation without even maybe realizing what is actually happening because maybe they started drawing at a lower level and then they made the big mistake, increased their level all the time to keep up with inflation. And if they keep doing that, then their, their funds probably won't last 10, 12 years. Yeah, so let's take a step back and, and look at what is the difference between a guaranteed annuity and a living annuity, and it comes down to risk. The three fact, primary factors that you look at, the investment returns that you're gonna achieve, how long you're expected to live, and your income inflation. Now with a guaranteed annuity, an insurer takes all those risks. So you don't need to worry now when you have a period of sustained low investment returns or negative investment returns because the insurer has guaranteed you an income. With a living annuity, on the other hand, you take all those risks. So people who are currently in a living annuity are feeling the effect of negative markets. It's like any risk. You have upside and you have downside. At the moment, that downside is taking effect. 
The good news from a point of view for people who are in living annuities is that annuity rates or the cost of purchasing income from a guaranteed annuity has reduced because interest rates have begun, have risen lately. Now, if you're sitting in a living annuity... We're not talking about short-term interest rates. We're not talking about short-term interest rates. We're I talking mean, about 20%, 30%. There we see 20, interest rates coming, having come down yes. a quarter percent, two quarters over the last 15 months. We're talking about a completely different set of interest rates, which the man in the street doesn't really see. No, and many people won't see that. It's taking a look at swap curves, at bond curves, and it's looking at supply and demand in the bond markets. Uh, our credit downgrades also had an effect on increasing interest rates in that market, which means that insurance companies can earn more on your money than previously, so they can pay more out as annuities. Now, very importantly, in the living annuity market, there's something called the Directive 135 from the FSB. Now, what the Directive 135 sought to do was make it easy for people to move their living annuity between different providers, as well as to move a living annuity into a guaranteed annuity. So even if you made a decision 10, 15 years ago to go into a living annuity, you can always transfer that living annuity into a guaranteed annuity. Now that, from an admin point of view, takes 15 working days. It's very simple, and it allows people to de-risk out of a living annuity. Well, we're just going to take a, our first caller on the evening. We haven't given the number out yet. 011-483-1518. Bongi, go ahead with your question. Bongi, you with us? Hello. Bongi, you're on air? I'd like to know. Yes, can you hear me? Bongi, we can hear you. Go ahead. I'd like to know. Um, okay. Um, the... The retirement annuity, is it true that one can um, take it when they are turning 55 and turning 60? Sorry, say that again, Bongi. Is it true that? That they can actually take their money when they are 50. Let's say maybe one. When they're 50. 60. Okay, Bongi. We'll, we'll, I'll deal with that question when we return because we're going to take a short break. Uh, you can call us on 011-483-1518. Bongi, as soon as we return, I'll come back to your question. You wanted to know, is it true that one can take your retirement years at age 50? Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to your money this evening. You're discussing retirement planning. My guest, Jason Sharp. And if you want to call us, 011-483-1518. You can also email me on brianh at bhca.co.za. I've got Sarah on the line. Sarah, go ahead with the question. Um, how do I switch out of a living annuity? Can I cash it in? Or if I can't cash it in, can I move it to another company? Okay, we'll do all that. Okay, thank you for that, Sarah. Bongi, let's go back to your question. Your question was, can you take a retirement annuity at age 50? Well, the simple answer is you can't. But there are some you, the times you can. One, if you're disabled, you can take it. That's, that's yeah. permanent disability. 
two, if you emigrate, you can take it. But other than that, you are locked into that retirement duty until age 55. Age 55, and certain old type RAs, you can be locked in until your chosen retirement age on that RA. So if you had it selected age 70 uh, as your retirement age, you have to wait until you reach that retirement age. No, but surely you can extend that earlier. You're just going to pay a lot of penalties. Correct. Yeah. Hope that answers your question, Pongi. The answer is you can't. Uh, Sarah asked the question, and we've been talking about it. You've been talking about the change in interest rates and the, the fact that annuity interest rates, the interest rates used for annuities, have increased. And Sarah asks the question, uh, one, can you cash in a living annuity? Okay, so you cannot cash in a living annuity. Once you're in a living annuity, the only thing you can do... Well, you can, Jason. If it falls below 50,000, can you? F- yes, you can. But you know, the, the, the sum left in the fund is so little that it yeah. doesn't have any yeah. effect. But for uh, a typical living annuity, by the way, if you're sitting in a living annuity with 75,000 Rand, I'd be very worried about that advice you receive to go in that living annuity in the first place. But for a typical living annuity, a living annuity with more money in it, the process to transfer is, is you would send to your existing provider a letter saying that you wish to transfer together with the application form of the new provider you would wish to switch to. What the provider will then do is provide you with what's called outgoing annexures, which you will need to sign. You take those outgoing annexures and provide them to your new annuity provider. That provider will provide what's called incoming annexures. You will sign that. And once the outgoing and incoming annexures are complete and submitted to your existing provider, that provider has 15 working days to transfer your annuity to the new provider. Sarah, I'll just come back to the minute. David, David, good evening. Go ahead, do the question, please. Good evening, Brian. What happens to my RA when I retire? What happens to your RA when you? Retire. When you retire. Okay, well, let's talk about the two situations. Let's talk about retirement and, 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 and both. On, let's talk about both of them. But let me just finish, Sarah. Sarah, if you took your one-third in cash, then you are limited on the living annuity to withdraw the funds when it's below 50000 If you didn't, and then you're entitled to withdraw up to 75000 Jason. Yeah. I think that's the figure. So, Sarah, you can switch your living annuity, but you cannot take the money out unless it's somewhere between below 50 in most instances and in, on the occasion, if you didn't take the cash, 75. Let's just talk about David because a lot of people ask me this. Obviously, when you reach retirement, under your retirement, you can take one-third in cash, the balance must buy a pension, and I just said if it's below 50,000, you can cash the whole thing in. If not, you have to buy a pension, you have a choice, you can buy a um, fixed pension or you can buy a living annuity, and Jason was explaining the advantages of the fixed pension not taking risk. Yes, and just to clarify over there, if you don't need the money out of the RA to generate additional income, if you have other investments, you can leave the money in the RA to continue to accumulate and choose to use the money out of an RA to purchase annuity at a later date. And, and there's also been a change, Jason, where you can also leave if you're leaving a company, you know, so many people had a choice, take the funds or preserve them, you can now leave it in the company's fund, in the, in the company that you're leaving, leave it in the funds indefinitely. Yes, and the advantage of that, obviously, is, is lower fees. And potentially, if you're sitting in a good fund with good investment performance, there would be no reason to leave that fund and go into what's, what historically was called the preservation fund. And, and um, David's question, he, also, he didn't answer, but a lot of people ask, what happens with death on a retirement annuity? 
definite retirement annuity, the money would be paid out to your beneficiaries. But very important, your named beneficiaries will not necessarily receive the money out of the RA. The trustees of the retirement annuity are obligated to assist any beneficiaries, anybody who was reliant on your financial support while you were alive. A dependent. Correct. Yeah. And they have an obligation to make sure that it's paid to dependent. So it's not like a life policy where you can leave the monies to whoever you like. Retirement is specific. Both pension, provident fund and retirement annuities says even though you may have um, had a wish to leave the funds, if first we're going to consider dependents. Yes, and it's very important because some people don't realize that even if you're giving charity to somebody, you're assisting somebody in their daily life, that person can have a claim on your, your uh, retirement funds when you pass away. Well, let's get through some of the emails. Sandili KZN says, I'll be changing jobs at the end of the month. I've been contributing to my current employer's pension fund. I've been working for three years and my fund value is 21,500. I'm 24 years old and since I won't be taxed on this amount, I was thinking of cashing in from the current pension fund and using it as a deposit for a house. Would it be wise to withdraw and use the fund for a deposit or just transfer it to my new pension fund? You know, at that level and at that age, it's very difficult. Certainly, one of the problems at retirement is people don't preserve their funds that they've saved in retirement funds. They leave after 15 years, cash the funds in, and then start again. They've lost all those years of compound interest. But here we've got a young person, 24 years old. And by the way, when I saw this email, I did the calculation just to let you know, Sandili, 21,000, no, 21,000 for a 24-year-old at 9% in 41 years' time will be worth 841,000 rand. <coughs> Jason, but I mean, it's a difficult one, so, that one, isn't so it? So with Sandile, he's allowed 25,000 tax-free once in his life. The thing I like is, is his you, he wants to use the money to purchase a capital asset. Now, we know for any retiree, if you can have your home paid off by the time you reach retirement, you're in a significantly better position. He has the ability to gear the returns as a result of purchasing a house. Provided it's used to buy a capital asset that will grow in value, it becomes a different type of investment for Sandile. So I don't necessarily think it's the worst idea. You know, traditionally from our point of view, I am firmly against people cashing in retirement funds because it creates bad behavior long term. If it's easy every single time you need money, you go cash in your retirement funds. But he's basically using it to invest it in a different investment class, which ultimately will bear fruit when he grows up. At his age, what he could do then is the money that he saved, he could put into a retirement annuity. He's going to get a tax deduction and he's going to get that benefit later in time. Because you make the comment you must have a home paid for by, by the time you reach retirement, but you also need funds to live on. Correct. So it's, a, it's two things you've got to do. Well, it's actually more because you need to have no debts at retirement and also you need to make sure you've got a good healthcare program in place. We'll talk about behaviour, and we also want to talk about the role of a financial advisor, what to expect from your financial advisor. But let me try and get through quick a few more emails. Anne in Bedford, you says, I've been contributing large amounts to retirement duties over 25 years and had the re relevant tax deduction. Now I can only contribute 350000 to get this tax benefit. Should I still continue to contribute? And what are the advantages on the, any negatives for over-contribution? So... All she's doing is, is she's contributing to create a larger retirement value. And you can hear from Anne, her behavior has been good. 
The challenge she'll find if she over-contributes and she's not getting a tax deduction is the money will lock into an RA. She won't be able to withdraw that money later on. So there are other tax, uh, tax-free tax savings accounts are another example where she can gain a tax deduction and get that protection. But there's nothing wrong with continuing to contribute to a retirement fund if that money is you want it to be segregated in order to generate retirement income. Because similar to tax-free savings under the retirement annuity, there's no dividends tax, there's no t- capital gains tax, there's no tax on interest, and if you've got property fund, there's no tax on rental income. Yes, and on that RA, the over-contribution, those tax deductions will carry forward when she begins to draw income in retirement. She can use, she can actually use that over-contribution to draw income tax-free. Correct. which helps in retirement. Well, we're going to take a break. You're watching In Your Money. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to you, Maine, this evening. We're discussing retirement, and my guest is Jason Sharp. You can still call us on 011-483-1518. Medisma in the free state says, can you split your pension amongst two companies on retirement? You can. You can. Provided one of the companies generates sufficient income, you have the ability to split. Many retirement funds are against it because of the complication on the tax directives. Uh, but SARS has withdrawn a director that historically didn't allow you to, uh, to split. What he needs to understand is, is the complication that comes with splitting your annuities, specifically because if each annuity separately doesn't fall above the PAYE threshold, you may see yourself receiving a tax assessment at the end of the year to pay in tax. Now, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely have to, uh, uh, to submit a tax return, and then the two incomes will be joined. Correct. And, and, and both companies probably will, will definitely have under-deducted. Correct. And then, you, then you've got a real challenge because you may require, be required to pay a lump sum to SARS at the end of the year. While we were taking our breaks, Danny called and he says, uh, what, 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 what is the current t- tax situation at retirement? Well, Danny, very simply, if you haven't taken money before, uh, one third in cash, as I said, you can take in cash of the fund. Let's say the fund is one and a half million. You can take five hundred thousand in cash. One third being five hundred thousand. That's up to that first five hundred thousand is tax free. Then the next uh, up to six hundred and sixty is taxed at eighteen uh, percent. Then the next three hundred and thirty is taxed at twenty seven, and thereafter thirty six percent. Talliard in Randburg says, my, sp- my spouse has passed away. What are the tax implications on drawing the full lump sum or continuing with the annuity and who pays the tax? Okay, so th- that is simple. If you withdraw, if she, the, the uh, client withdraws the living annuity, they would pay the same tax they would have paid on retirement. So it would have continued to accumulate in the way that you indicated. Alternatively, if the client stays in the living annuity, they would continue to pay income tax on the income draw. On their rate. On their rate, on their own personal rate. The living annuity is in that person's own tax rate, which I would say is advisable simply because you're deferring paying SARS tax. Good evening, Chetty. We've got Chetty on the line. Good evening. Go ahead with the question. Uh, Good evening, Brian and and your guest. Just a quick question. Is... Uh, is it true that once you retire, go officially on retirement, that you can uh, begin to still continue 
to uh, pay into a retirement fund post-retirement. Is that still permitted? Absolutely, Chetty. I mean, the fact that you know, you've retired is just a, a word. It doesn't mean you have to stop your retirement duties. You can still continue. As a matter of fact, many people in retirement, once they're receiving their pension and once they're receiving more than they need, they actually start contributing to, to a retirement annuity and get that tax deduction. But importantly, if you're in a pension fund or provident fund, the rules of the pension or provident fund will govern whether you can continue. But with an RA, you can definitely continue. Yeah, but even, I, but even under the pension and provident fund, if you do take your retirement, you yes. still can contribute to retirement annuity. And Correct. many people have got retirement annuities, and they just don't use yes. them because they'll use them later on. It's just a different vehicle, but you can continue yeah. to contribute. Louise in Santon says, please explain exactly when you're forced to retire from a pres preservation fund, and at what stage are you able to withdraw? So... Up to, I mean, when preservations first came into being, it was very much linked with the actual date of retirement of that fund. Is that still in, in force, Jason? So, in, again, there's certain rules of different preservation funds. It depends what you do. But, but typically what you would do is you would follow the original fund's rules uh, and you would retire on the nominated retirement age from that original fund. Because that's quite important because if your retirement age is 60 and you want to withdraw, you've actually got to withdraw before you're age 60. If you start to, let's say you let it run and you want to withdraw at 70 to 62, you probably find you can't, you'll have to retire. Yes, or you continue to preserve past that date. The key behind here is to understand if you withdraw out of a preservation fund, the tax is significantly higher than retiring out of a preservation fund. And particularly, uh, if the individual is close to retirement, they would actually need to see whether it's cheaper to retire and withdraw one-third than to pay the significant tax. No, because that would result is if you withdraw. Because if you withdraw, you can take the whole amount, and then you've only got not the 500,000 tax-free, 25,000 rand tax-free, as long as our, pre, our younger caller phone, if you've taken the 21,000, then you've taken it once. accumulate from there, yeah, yes. No. Janine in Boxburg says, can different beneficiaries opt to draw differently from a living annuity? So when, when the so someone dies principal annuity, it's split. The yeah. annuity is split. It's as if they have their own living annuity post that date. Uh, Wendell in German says, what is our opinion of post-retirement planning? Do you go for the bucket approach or full equity with some downside protection or balance or balance fund or just income from an income fund type portfolio. That's a subject completely on its own, Jason. We can spend a, a yeah. full hour, if not longer. And it depends on your circumstances. You've got to understand the risk you're taking. Correct. And the return. And it all comes down, in my opinion, to income. What is your income requirements? And the smaller your income requirements, the more growth orientated you can be. The greater your income retirement, that's when you really got to consider fixed annuities rather yes. than... Well, well you're taking a bigger risk. You'll have to take a bigger risk. And again, we talk about the downside as well as the upside. So you have to consider that. And Jason, running a company, you guys spend hours and months working out the risk you're taking because obviously you're taking that risk and you're in, to make the, in there to make a profit. So, and you've got all your actuarial calculations and longevity tables and all the things to do with, uh, with, with those processes. It's significant that, so I, I always say to people, even if you're not going to buy a guaranteed annuity, use that as the benchmark draw and say to yourself, if you're drawing more, you're taking more risk than the insurer. If you're drawing less, you're taking less risk than the insurer. That at least gives you an idea of how much 
realistically you can afford to join in. And Jason, Paramount Life does something that most companies don't do when it comes to retirement. You actually underwrite the annuity. You look at what the person's occupation was and what their health is like and what their life expectancy is. And then you provide annuities, fixed annuities, based on that information. Correct, because for anybody in retirement, what's absolutely crucial is, is if you're only going to draw income, you're only expected to live for two years, you can obviously draw more income than a person who's expected to live for 20 years. Louis Capeton says, I'm not sure if I want to retire, but I've asked my company to get me a tax director. They explained that at the minute they do that, I'm forced to retire. That's not correct. That's now changed. I think practice note 279, am I right? And now you can ask your administrators to get you a quote. Correct. Whereas you could do that before, and then they withdrew that. The minute you started to ask for retirement, you were actually forced into that. But realistically, depending on the complexity of his investments, uh, a good financial advisor should be able to tell him in advance what the tax directive would come. Jason, I never got to I never got to ask you the simple question. We come to in what you expect of your financial advisor. We'll certainly leave that for our next program. It's likely that most money, most South Africans will accumulate the most amount of money during their lifetime will be from their retirement fund pot. It may not equal the value of your home, but your home is where you live, and in most cases what I call a lifestyle asset that doesn't provide income and only costs money. Your retirement funds are there to provide you with the living wage during your retirement. The lump sum of a million rand may seem like a lot of money to you while you're working, however. When you do the calculation, it translates somewhere between four to five thousand rand per million. The challenges ahead for retirees are longevity and inflation. The risks you need to take on when investing the funds to counteract the two challenges and then even more severe is your behaviour towards your money. For example, buying new cars, alterations to home, changing your home and where do you not come out and even lending children money. The three important aspects that need to be taken into account when you retire are having no debt, a house paid for and a good healthcare programme. Sit with an investment and retirement planner and rather know the numbers now than when you reach the retirement. I'd like to thank you for joining me, Jason, this evening. It's important to note our program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. And next week, we'll be dealing with financial planning. And if you need to call me and get hold of my details, will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.